Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we continue our series, Fear, Dancing Between Fear and Faith. And as we do that, we're exploring fears, the, the reality that we all have fears, phobias, things that cause us anxiety, and how it is that God speaks to us in those fears. Uh, there are a number of different fears out there. You know, for the example, there is FOMO. If anyone, do you know what FOMO is? Yeah, there's a few of you who know. I mean, most of the other sources, they looked at me like with the blank stairs. I have no idea. It's sometimes considered a young people's phobia, but it really can be a phobia with, for anybody. It means fear of missing out. So usually it means because you're connected to the social devices and social media that you are afraid not to be connected because you might what? You might miss out on something. And then if you struggle with nomophobia, that's a phobia where you're afraid when your phone is not connected. You're in a dead zone, like on Highway 34 on the way to Seward, Nebraska, right there by the church graveyard, which is really weird. There is a dead zone. I lose so many phone calls if I'm right there. But you know, again, we all deal with phobias in, in life. I mean, there's hillophobia, and, and hillophobia is the fear of trees. Anyone scared of trees? I'm not sure what would give you a phobia of trees. Maybe in the darkness they're moving around like that. Or, or maybe because, you know, if you were like me when I was a kid, I loved to climb trees. And I remember my mom telling me, do not climb the tree. Why? Because you're too young and too small. And you know what? As a young child, I completely ignored what my mom said. And I climbed up that tree in the backyard. And I was climbing up there. And you know what happened as I went to reach a little farther up and grab a branch? I missed. And guess where I went? Down on the ground, right? And my tailbone, oh boy, did that hurt. You know, and then I thought to myself, you know what? My mom was completely right. I would fall down and get hurt. But I had no fear of trees. You know, there's other fears and phobias out there. There's, I am not, can't even get this one rolled off my tongue. Off a, di, off a di, it's a fear of snakes. Okay, that's what it is. Anyone afraid of snakes? Oh, yeah, snakes are really cool. I grew up playing with snakes. I grew up in Arizona. The Red Racers, we'd play with them and do things. You know, but here's snakes. But, you know, as we talk about that, I've got, and people ask, like, why are these stacks of boxes around here? I've got a box here this morning, and, and in this, this box, you know, are just things that, that you know, might have as phobias. And so I call this a fear box. And so what I'm going to encourage you to do is to pick up one of those boxes. You can either pick one up that's already put together, or you can pick one up that's, you know, not... It's flat, and you can put it together when you get home. But put something in there. Put some things in there that, that symbolize the fears that you wrestle with. Whether you take it for yourself, and everybody in the family has a box. There's plenty. I got more if you need more. Or whether you take it as a family, and you sit down, and you talk about some of the fears that you have. And that you put those fears in the box. I mean, I've got some here. Like, you know, here it's hot sauce. You know, aromophobia is the fear of spices and spicy things. So maybe you have aromophobia. I mean, I'm from Arizona. I like spicy things. Or maybe you suffer from banana phobia. You know what banana phobia is? It's really, really hard. It's the fear of, I got one in here somewhere. It's the fear of bananas. Yeah, if anybody afraid of bananas, boo. But you know, whatever that fear is, you know, or maybe you suffer from a pediophobia, which sounds like something really weird, but pediophobia is really just the fear of dolls. And so this is, this is Gladys. She's kind of a creepy doll. Um, she's been all over the world, though. 
But, you know, you, whatever that fear is, you put that fear in there, you know, in your box, and you're going to be able to close that box up. And, and it's a way that you can kind of say, God, these are the fears that are part of who I am. Because, again, we're all human. We all have fears and things that cause us to be anxious and uneasy and uncertain. But what you maybe can't quite see from way back there is that on the outside of the box, I've written a number of different verses in Scripture, like the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, I am always with you. And I put some crosses on there, a little bit of artwork there. Or the words of our theme verse, Isaiah 41.10. Let me ask a quick question. How many of you memorized that this last week? Oh, I should give you that task again this week. Memorize these words. Isaiah 41.10, our theme verse, where again God says, Don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be intimidated. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. But you know, a number of those different scripture verses where God speaks about being with us, those words of comfort and assurance, that we put those on there so that you put your fears in there, and if you, you know, talk to just God about it, or you talk about it as a family, as a household, you can say, you know, these are my fears, but this is the assurance I have of a God who is with me, a God who loves me, a God who will never abandon me. In fact, you talk about that, you know, that's actually one of the fears, the more common fears that a lot of us have, even if we don't realize what that is. And that is a phobia. It's called autophobia. Autophobia is the fear of being alone. Of, of loneliness. And it's something, again, everyone struggles with at some point. And some of us, that really is a deep phobia, fear that we have. But especially when we're going through a difficult time, when our circumstances are overwhelming, when it seems like everything in the world is chaotic, we can feel very alone. Even if we're sitting here in church this morning, we're surrounded by other people, we can feel alone. And there's that fear of being alone. And that fear of being alone is not just for someone who is, you know, young and single or, you know, who is a widow or a widower or someone that's far away from home. That, that fear of being alone is a very real. In fact, psychologist Carl Jung says it this way. He says, the pressures and problems of our complex society have produced a world of lonely people jammed together like sardines in a can called earth. I love that description, sardines in a can called earth. In other words, there's so many of us, yet we feel sometimes so very alone. It's more than just the fear of missing out. It's feeling disconnected from others. But as we do that, let's go and um, take a look again at the theme verse that we have from Isaiah 41. Let's read these words together. Don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be intimidated. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will support you with my victorious right hand. You know, again, that sense of being alone is not unique to you or me. It's not unique just to our culture. Even the psalmist, you know, cries out in Psalm 102, I lie awake, I am like a lonely bird on a rooftop. That sense of being alone. Yet we know as we hear those promises of God that we are not alone, that God is with us. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we hold on to every promise you have ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. All of your promises are guaranteed 
and the life that you gave for us at the cross. Lord, as we wrestle with fears and phobias and anxieties and uncertainties, Lord, we all do, and sometimes, Lord, they are very intense and very real. Remind us, reassure us, Lord, of your unfailing presence and your unfailing love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, let's take a look now at the gospel lesson we read together here from Matthew 14. And, and as we do that, you know, as we had our series in September, we talked about how to read the Bible. You know, we talked about it's good to kind of understand some of the context that sometimes gives you a bigger picture of what's going on. We also talked about how good it is to memorize Scripture. That's why we've got a theme verse that we want you to work on memorizing, Isaiah 41, verse 10. But as we do that, you know, what happened before Jesus was walking on the water? Well, before these events, Jesus was teaching a great crowd of people. They had been there all day long, and, and as he was there, more people showed up. And, it, and the scriptures tell us that there was 5,000 men at this event. Now, in culture at that time, they only counted the men. But that means, by some estimates, that if you count the, probably the men that were there and the women, you know, and the children with these families and everybody else that was there, there may have easily been 15,000, 20,000 people all gathered around there. It's been a long day, and they're hungry. And Jesus' disciples were like, you know, we should send them away. Let them go, you know, find somewhere to eat. There's no McDonald's, no Walmart, you know, anything like that to go eat at. They should go home. And Jesus turns and says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And, of course, they said, well, the only thing we have, and you guys maybe know this, is we have two small fish and five loaves of bread. And then Jesus takes the two small fish, the five loaves of bread, prays over them, blesses them, and they feed that 5,000-plus people that are there, and they have leftovers. And so this miraculous event, you know, the disciples see the power of Jesus right there in front of them. And then, you know, he, he sends everybody home, and he sends his disciples in a boat to the Sea of Galilee, to the other side, while he goes in solitude to pray. Now, there's a difference in solitude and loneliness. Solitude is often a time where we are intentionally wanting to be alone, alone with our thoughts, alone in prayer like Jesus did. Some of us like that more than others. I'm an extrovert, so I don't do solitude a whole lot. I like being with people. But Jesus would do that. He would, he would go and he would be by himself and he would pray. And often, if you look, he was praying in preparation for something else that was going to unfold in his life. The biggest moment we have when Jesus is in solitude, yet surrounded by people, yet all alone, is in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he goes and he prays and he has his disciples gathered around and they're all sleepy and falling asleep. And he's like, you know, can't you stay awake and pray with me? And he's praying and his, you know, his sweat is so intense, his prayers that it becomes like blood. And, and, and he's praying because what's going to happen in just a matter of hours? Well, in a matter of moments, he's going to be arrested. And wrongly accused in this mock trial. He's going to be beaten and nailed to the cross. And he's praying, saying, God, if there's any other way, I would do it. But this is the only way. If this is the only way, I'm in. I'm all in. I'll do this. And you see, he prays in preparation for what God has planned for him. So he's been doing that. He's been in solitude and prayer, and the disciples are out on this boat. You know, this boat, 12 guys on this boat, probably about 27 feet long. 
So just enough really for 12 guys to squeeze inside this little boat. It's a fishing boat. And you may know that a lot of the disciples were fishermen. You know, and, and, and as fishermen, you know, they have grown up around the sea. They've grown up in the business. I mean, these are often businesses that were passed on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. Some of you understand that from an agricultural standpoint, from a family farm that's been in the farm for generations that's been passed on, and you've grown up. Even if you didn't stay in the farming business, you understand the farming business because you grew up around that stuff, eating hogs and cattle and, you know, watching the corn grow. So these guys have grown up, you know, from little on, being by the boats and, and learning how to mend the nets and, and eventually, you know, getting out into the boat and learning how to fish and, and how to, you know, manage the, the water and, and how to swim. And, and even as they get out there, you know, to kind of watch the, the weather, to see what's happening in the skies, to kind of be prepared for storms. And in the Midwest, you know, we understand that if you've lived in the Midwest at least one spring and summer, you know what it's like when you can feel the change in weather. You can feel that change in temperature and humidity, and you can see off in the distance that dark, ominous clouds kind of rolling towards you, and you know that a storm is coming. So here we have the disciples that are in this boat. Again, most of them experienced fishermen, and they are in the Sea of Galilee. They're uh, hundreds of yards out, so almost probably about a mile from shore. And a storm has been brewing. It was not unusual for a storm to do this, and not unusual because the Sea of Galilee was in a valley for the winds to kind of come through the crevices, and it's just a strong, powerful wind. So you get this idea, this little boat, again, about 27 feet long, 12 guys piled inside. I mean, they're rocking back and forth in the boat. If you've ever been in a boat before, especially a small boat when the waters are choppy, you know, here these guys are just moving around. They're trying to bail the boat, bail out the water. They're beginning to panic. I mean, have you ever been like that? Ever been so terrified and so scared? You know, and, and they think this boat's going to sink. I mean, these are guys that, that have been around this stuff, yet they're upset and they're worried because the boat's sinking. And they're probably, if you can imagine this, arguing with each other and, and blaming each other. And, and it's all stressful and, and anxious. And, and they're just kind of consumed by what's going on as the waves are crashing against them. The wind is blowing around. And then one of them sees, you know, something off in the corner of his eye. You see, in these times, you know, many of these people believed, and we don't know if the disciples did, but many of the people believed that if you were on like the Sea of Galilee, you were, you know, sailing or you know, fishing, and your boat sank, that you, you know, went to your watery grave, but, you know, if somebody got into the water, you as like a ghost figure would go and grab a hold of them and pull them down. So, you know, maybe this is the kind of fear, or maybe they've at least heard these stories, you know, and, it, you know, what happens, like, if you're, all alone in a dark place, even a place you're familiar with. Like, have you ever been here at church at 1 o'clock in the morning? 1 o'clock in the morning, even though I know there's no, you know, real things to worry about, there are the creepiest noises here at 1 o'clock in the morning. Things that go bang, pop, crack, creak, that you never would expect to hear, that you don't hear during the rest of the day, only at 1 o'clock in the morning. Have you ever experienced that? You know, where you're like, normally you would be worried, and then you hear something, and you're like, what was that? And so here are the disciples. I mean, they're, they're already intense with emotions. And as we talked about last week, when we're struggling with fear, when fear overwhelms us, you know, you, you don't begin thinking straight anymore. And so they're all worried. They're all upset. You, you know, they, they look, and they see something coming. I think Alfred Hitchcock for a moment. How many of you know who Alfred Hitchcock is? 
I mean, some, if you don't know, you should go watch some of his movies. And you may know some of his movies and don't know it. One of the famous movies he did, you know, he understood the power of the mind and, 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 and imagination and how it can carry away with you. Because he had this movie where there was this lady staying in a motel. And this is a movie, this is years, years you know, t- decades ago, so it was a pretty clean movie. But, you know, good old horror flick. She's taking a shower, you know. And, and if you know the scene, the shower curtain begins to move like this. And then he comes his hand with a knife, and you hear this, ee, 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 you know. And, and for a week, people don't want to take a shower because they're just terrified, right? So these guys are terrified already, and they see out of the corner of their eyes, and one of them says, it's a ghost! And they're just, they're just petrified now. And they look, and, and they don't know what to make of this figure walking on the water toward them. And their imagination begins to run away with them. But then Jesus says to them, hey guys, don't worry. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, I don't know if you've got a friend like Peter. Maybe you're like Peter. Peter, you know, read Peter, you kind of get the guy, this is the guy that's just, you know, he's impetuous, you know? Uh, you know, he's the guy, the first one is going to jump in and do something. If you're sitting on a cliff and say, all right, who's going to die down first into the waters? He's the first one that jumps off into the water. So Peter calls out to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, you know, tell me to come out. Now, some of the translations don't quite capture this. The translation we use captures this much better because it's not just tell me to come out. It's not Jesus saying, yeah, come on out. The water's fine. It's really good. Come on, come on. It's a lot of fun. He says, Lord, command me to come out. Order me to come out. Make it an imperative that I have to step out of the boat and come to you. And so Peter, who many times before, because he was a fisherman, had stepped out of the boat into the waters, you know, knowing that he was going to sink in and knowing how to manage himself in the water, you know, with the wind and the waves blowing, he does what? He steps out of the boat. He steps out of the boat and, and he walks towards Jesus. Now, we don't know how many steps Peter takes, whether he takes three steps or ten steps or 35 steps. We just know he takes a number of steps. And as he takes a number of steps, suddenly, suddenly he becomes aware again of where he's at and the surroundings. Remember, he's a fisherman. He's been on these waters for years. He's grown up around this. And suddenly he recognizes that he is standing on water and the wind and the waves and, and, and he's terrified. And he begins to do what? He begins to sink, right? He's going down. Lord, help me. Save me. I, have you ever you know, been in water and got terrified? I, I, I did that once, you know, when I was at my cousin's house, I was lounging, you know, on one of those little floaty lounge things. And my cousin came up from underneath. I don't think they meant to. And they hit that, and I went up, and I was not a good swimmer at that time in the deep end. And boy, did I panic. My cousin's like, it's all right. Just chill and kind of got me over to the side. My heart's going, tool, tool, tool. so here's Peter, like, Lord, save me. You know, again, a guy who should know how to swim, who should know how to manage himself. Now he's terrified. And then Jesus, these are the words that we hear in the encounter that happens. Let's read this together from 1431. Immediately Jesus reached out, caught a hold of him, and said, You have so little faith. Why did you doubt? You see, again, the, the series here, faith, fear, dancing between fear and faith. You see, it's not that Peter didn't have faith in Jesus. 
It's just at that moment he had more faith in the wind and the waves. He believed more in the wind and the waves, the storm, and what he was caught up in than he did in Jesus. See, and I think we do the same thing. I know I have. That when I'm caught up in, in the moments of things that make me anxious or worried or scared, that, that, that you know, are like a storm in my life, it's, it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in that and, and to be more believing in that than I am in Jesus. As you think about that, though, you know, what does Jesus do at this moment? Well, let's read these words again. Immediately, Jesus reached out, caught a hold of him, and stopped. Let's go, let's go back and read that first part again. Immediately, Jesus reached out and caught a hold of him. Stop right there. I, I just want to help you kind of paint a picture for you what's going on. So, you know, the idea again, Peter gets out of the boat. He walks three steps, 30 steps, don't know. And, and then he, he becomes aware, and, and he becomes really believing in the wind, the waves that are all boiling around him. And he begins to sink, and he calls out for help. And what does Jesus do? See, sometimes you get this idea that Jesus, you know, sees that Peter needs help, and he's racing, you know, to help like a lifeguard, you know, running on the water. And he's going to come, and he's going to reach out, and he's going to save Peter. But where is Jesus when Peter begins to sink? And if you look at the text, and what is painted for us here, immediately Jesus doesn't run, doesn't trot, doesn't skip. He reaches out. So Jesus is right there in front of Peter. See, isn't that just like you and me? I just like me, I know. That those moments when I believe more in the wind and the waves and the storms of my life, the things that cause me to be afraid, that when I believe more in those, it's not that Jesus has abandoned me. He's never left me. He's right there with me. And he's right there with you. He reaches out when we call out to him for help. When we cry out and we feel like we're sinking, he reaches out. He is right there. He has never left us. He never abandoned you. You know, as we talk about what it means for us to believe and hold on to those promises that God has, you think about the storms in life. You know, the, the, the truth is we're either in the midst of a storm right now, and some of you are, or you just got out of a storm, and you say, yes, I definitely felt Jesus there, you know, holding on to me. Or you're on your way into a storm. And that's our lives, that in and out of storms, things that cause us anxiety and worry, whether it's, it's you know, uh, our finances or our job security, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, you know, a loved one going away or being away from loved ones, whether it's other fears and things that cause us uncertainty, all of those that we wrestle with, we are in and out of those. And through all of that, Jesus is always, always with you. And we hold on every promise that he has ever made. And see, that's the good news. The good news is Jesus comes to us even in the middle of the storm. That he never abandons us, never leaves us alone.
And that's why our theme verse, you know, Isaiah 41.10 is a great scripture to memorize. So I'm going to put that to you again. Yes, another challenge that you memorize these words. Because when you're going through the storm, it's great to have those words of scripture in your head and your heart to remind you and reassure you that God has not left you. But Jesus is right there with you in the midst of the storm. So let's again, let's read these words from Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be intimidated. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will support you with my victorious right hand. So I encourage you, one, again, memorize Isaiah 41.10. And there's a number of other scriptures you can look to memorize and, and make part of your, your life where God reminds us and reassures us that you are not alone. I encourage you to pick up one of these boxes here, you know, and if you want a flat box, it's easier to decorate when it's flat, just so you know. But you can also pick up a box already preassembled. But do that. Pits of fears. I know it's kind of a weird thing to do sometimes, but sometimes physically doing these kind of things helps us to really process those things, to see our fears inside this box, to know that that's part of who we are. But then also when we put scriptures on there or crosses on there, it reminds us that all of that fear and all of who we are, that we are surrounded by a God who loves us. A God Savior, who says to you again today, I am always with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the great gift of your love and for your presence. We thank and praise you, Lord, and pray that, Lord, whether we're going in the midst of a storm right now, whether we're coming out of a storm, or maybe, Lord, we're heading into a storm. Through all of it, Lord, you are always with us. Lord, when we are afraid, just like Peter, when we doubt and our, our faith stumbles just a little bit and we feel like we're beginning to sink, Lord, reassure us in faith, too, that when we call out to you, you are there for us. You hold on to us. You embrace us in your loving, strong, and forgiving arms. Lord, we pray especially for those right now who are in the midst of a storm in their life. Lord, reassure them that you are with them. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.